Welcome back to another episode of Ag Watchers, the second episode of the year, 2022. What we do another episode, we didn't get time to get a guest because it's a bit hard to organize times because, well, Matt's in Ballarat and I'm in Dumfries, southwest Scotland, and we just thought we would just leave the guests until the end of next week. I didn't want to infect anyone as well, Andrew. This is our first episode with one of us that's COVID infected, mate. Well, it's not the worst thing you've ever had in your life, Matt. So, <laughs> yeah, finally got, finally couldn't avoid it. This Omicron varieties um, even touched the uh, outskirts of Ballarat. Yeah, Fun- it can be tucked. So, what is it like, Matt? On a farm, huh? what, what, away on a farm somewhere. What's it like, Matt? Are you are you struggling? Um, I oh, you look yeah, you look like you, you look like you've aged a bit. <laughs> yeah, sore sore throat and uh, joint pain. But I did. Uh, my daughter came back because she she had to come back off farm uh, because she had had it as well. So it was isolating at home with the rest of the family. And um, she's letting her boss know Stuart Robinson, if anyone knows Stuart in the Western Districts, um, and described that I was the one that was suffering the most. And and Stuart just said it sounds like he's got man flu, which is probably an apt description. You know, it's, uh, but look, this is day four or something of the symptoms and um, I'm on the men now, so should be right. I guess the thing is, it's, it, I guess it just goes to show that it's now going into rural areas, which is probably yeah. the biggest concern because of the fact that a lot of rural areas are underserviced when it comes to healthcare. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so definitely. If, like, yeah. If, and, and, the, and the availability of the rapid antigen tests is bloody just as disaster. Easy to get. You walk down the high street and there's somebody handing them out to you. They don't even mm. ask, you know, if you're a taxpayer. Uh, if I was you, Andrew, I'd get, I'd get rid of all the clothes and just come back with bags and bags full of rapid antigen tests and you'll be retired by next week. They actually don't call them that over here. Mm. They call them lateral flow tests. That's what you got. Mm-hmm. An, an LFT you've got to ask for. Which, yeah, which yeah. rat sounds a bit better. But, so... <laughs> So you've got it, you know, geez, oh, COVID, just a flu, as somebody used to tell us. <laughs> well, because I'm, cause I'm double vaccinated, it actually is just a flu. Um, yeah, it seems, yeah, so I don't know how, yeah, it's always, uh, it's always um, nice to see that your vaccines have worked to a degree and has, has made the symptoms a lot more milder. Well, look, so it's interesting being over here in, in, in the UK is just, up and well, when I left Australia, there's hardly any cases. And as soon as I left Australia, it's exploded pretty much. You know, there's 100 odd cases a day, and then it was 50 odd thousand a couple of weeks later. But in the UK, everybody knows somebody's got COVID, mm. or, or you know, or at least they feel they have had it. So it's everyone's a bit further down the line in the UK, I reckon. But I don't know, like, it's just we've got a we've got a test again on Sunday. We need to get a negative to come back into country, and I was summing up the numbers. You know, trip trip to Australia. I thought the, I thought the flights are cheap to get over here this time of year, but then you add on an extra thousand dollars in terms of <laughs> for the testing for testing yeah. costs. <laughs> so I think, oh, geez, it's pretty expensive. So anyway, time time to well, do a markup. I've been I've, I've been here to mark it up. I've been actually. It's it's one of those um you know what are those actors that do the method method acting type thing of. I've been seeing the spread of Omicron in the in the meatworks and processing sector and supply chain, and I thought, well, I better get in and, and see how see how it's you know feeling from the inside. So I'm just as infected as some of the meat workers, and um, 
you know, and it's affected my productivity as well, just like them. I bet this COVID isn't as bad as that food poison I had in December. <laughs> it doesn't say no. Whereas, yeah, you're, off, whereas, you're off for about a week and a half. Whereas I, I don't know whether it was the case, but I've got a feeling that it was a burger I had in Ballarat. And it wasn't a fake meat burger, was it? Probably no, it's a, re- oh, it a real meat burger with uh, ribeye. Oh, I can't remember what it was. It had like the pastrami or whatever on it or, you know, slow cooked meat. And I don't, it might not even been that, but it just got in my head that it's that. And I walked past a, a burger joint the other day and I felt, oh, I felt like I was going to be sick. I've, I've not been able to eat a burger or even think of a burger since then. I don't think I ever will eat a burger again in my life. Okay. It's like, it's like when somebody gives me a glass of tequila. It's the same thought. It's like, oh, that brings back memories of, of that night when I was 16. Oh. Just, just stick, with, stick with the black pudding then. Black pudding, black pudding all the way. So market... It's good, good, yes. good, good segue. Omicron. What's what's the impact on the uh, on the processors? It's always been the yes, COVID, COVID's always been the one that's been arbitrage in the US, in the UK, and Australia. What's happening there then? Yeah, so we're seeing a, a big impact across the country, really, and, and particularly into the southern processing sectors. So um, the the reports out there, workforce issues. You know, about thirty to fifty percent. Um, down in terms of less less kind of staff in abattoirs currently, and, and we're certainly seeing the flow-on effect of um, of reduced kind of weekly throughput going through abattoirs as well. Um, the, you know, so you, you're talking kind of um, you know, lower volumes of uh, processing, and, and in particular um, in Tees South Australia, um, which is the main kind of beef abattoir for South Australia, um, they pretty much had to shut down effectively. So you saw significant drops in, in weekly um, slaughter figures for cattle in South Australia. Um, it hasn't had a, as big an impact on price at the moment in terms of sale yard price. Just, um, I think there have been some reduced um, sale yard throughput as well. I think a lot of agents you know, kind of got the word out there to just hold back on sending any heavy finished animals in whether they're cattle or, or lambs um and so we did see like week prior we saw um throughput down about 60 percent you know for as in compared to this time last year so looks like producers in some instances were holding back um slaughter type stock um so that's kind of saved the price declines and in fact for young cattle we've seen an, a bit of an increase at the start of the year um, the ecchi's kind of taken off again and just 10 cents short of, um, of 1,200 cents a kilo carcass weight, which is, you know, amazing. Those, those, those slaughter-ready cattle that have been held back, is that just delaying inevitable then? Just, there's, yeah, there's, there's, mean, there's going to be a big backlog that has to go? Uh, yeah, well, they, they will have to be processed at some stage. I guess from a producer perspective, it's easier to hold back, you know, you, you slaughter cattle that are ready than that is for a sheep producer or a lamb producer because, you know, if, if there's or, too or much a, of a delay. Or a, or a pig producer. True. And chicken as well. There was a, a report um, this week I saw that there's a whole swag of chickens that had to be euthanised because they didn't have the workers to process the chickens. Um, and, you know, as we know with the pigs, they, there's there's no, you know, once you once you hold them too long, they continue to put weight on and, and then that, you know, reduces your um, your returns. And it's, look, it is a bit the same for feedlot cattle. You do get punished on the grid if your cattle are too heavy and too fat um, coming out of the feedlot, um, you know, which can be an issue. Uh, yeah, but you don't, you don't see the kind of price discounts. Then, you know, you still get it in cattle, but 
um, nowhere near the kind of price discount you get if you go from lamb to hoggett, say, once, you know, once they've crossed over to classify as hoggett, there's a significant price decline. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a concern from that perspective. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's not just in the slaughter, um, you know, kind of supply chain and meatworks. It's also impacting feedlots being able to turn off animals as well. So, um, you know, the, the reports are there's a lot of feedlots that are full capacity and, and del, you know, like a month delays in terms of getting animals out. So then they're not able to get animals in. Um, so it could spill over. We might start to see a bit of price pressure, particularly for, say, feeder cattle into February, um, just because this backlog now needs to be cleared. Um, so, you know, we, we might still see some price issue, but, um, you know, broadly speaking, though, as the Eki's shown, the market is still remarkably resilient. You know, there's still a lot of restocking activity uh, for younger cattle, so that's kind of keeping the market buoyant. Um, and, and heavy cattle are just, you know, going price-wise, they're just going sideways at about four fifty cents a kilo live weight. So, and the super, know, super, super, supermarkets, they uh, obviously haven't been back. And I'm not back until next week, but what's the supermarket shelves empty again? Or? There have been, yeah, there have been kind of, um, not just for beef and, and meat products. I think it's a lot of kind of products have been, whether they're people rushing to buy stuff and stock up like your, you know, your old runner on the toilet paper yet again um, and other, other items. But yeah, there's been issues just with, you know, staff being able to resupply in terms of stock. Um, so, you know, the spread of this Omicron has, has kind of impacted many sectors, as, as people are seeing, you know. Um, so, but so it, it's, it's, one, it's, it's one of those things where I think it, it'll, it'll, even, it's, it'll even itself out again. It's, look, it's not like we don't have product. It's just, again, this supply chain getting um, kind of problem. Yeah. So, so you reckon people are rushing in? Uh, I think, uh, yeah, look, I think there have been cases. I, don't, I haven't seen where they're putting restrictions on how much you can buy again yet, but um, certainly, uh, you know, there are, there are kind of, you can see that there's less on the, on the shelves for sure across a range of different products. Well, if people are rushing in, that's a good segue into the grain market update. Yeah, it's a Russian, the Russians the, could be rushing into Ukraine. The Russians are rushing into Ukraine. Mm. Like, I think, mm. like, I haven't, like, I've, I've, I was on a, I was on a, uh, we have to do one of these next week, but I was on a Twitter space last week. Mm. with uh, a couple of guys out of the US. They invited me sort of about two seconds before it started, said, oh, do you want to come on and talk about grain? And I was like, I'm, I'm on holiday. I thought, I'll just jump in, you know, a bit of fun. And actually quite a good mm. fun interactive sort of panel, a bit like a podcast, but on Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, so I haven't really been keeping a huge track of the market, but probably still enough to give an update. Look, it's been a really good week in terms of wheat futures. You know, I was just looking at it there. You know, this morning as we start off the day, we're talking 402 uh, Aussie dollars a ton for spot Chicago futures, which if we compare it to this time last week, you're talking 25 Aussie dollars higher than this time last week. And look, the reality is the domestically, the prices haven't still uh, taken off the same way. Look, it's only really today and yesterday that prices actually started to see any sort of gains. And I can kind of understand it as well from, from a physical purchasing point of view. Like at the moment, a lot of this current rise in, in, in the market is, is conjecture about what's going to happen with Russia and Ukraine. You know, is, is Russia going to invade? Are the, are the uh, tanks going to be rolling down into, into Kiev? You know, there's this big 
you know, lots of bases being erected on the, the borders of, of Ukraine. Look, it's one of those things where obviously we're going to ask a lot about it. We wrote two articles this week, one with by myself, one with uh, Andrew Sizov in Russia. And the reality is if there is a conflict, even a small conflict, like the Crimean conflict in 2013, 2014, whenever that was, that had a big influence on on grain prices for a short period of time until they realized it wasn't actually going to affect grain exports, really. There wasn't any ports that were blockaded. There was no damage to crops or whatnot. Uh, but if we're talking about a proper full-scale conflict, you know, right across the sort of the western parts of, of Ukraine, that would make markets go absolutely haywire, which would be good for you know, obviously good for Australian farmers pricing grain and anywhere else in the world. It'd be bad for our friends, which we do have a lot of friends. You know, we, we talk to analysts in Russia and in, in Ukraine. It's not something we want to see. But it would also increase the price of fertilizer, increase the price of diesel, and increase the price of freight. So you kind of take them with one hand and give them with the other sort of a situation or catch 22. I'm still not convinced that it will lead to, to war, these tensions at the moment. I think it wouldn't be in the interest of Ukraine, definitely, but it also wouldn't be in the interest of Russia because it would be a difficult uh, conflict to get into, even for them. And it also, it's not the same as taking over you know, a little bit of the Crimea. It's, it's, it would be a large-scale conflict, and I just don't see it as being an advantage. I think... Nation states like that, I think we'll probably see more activity like we saw last week where there was that alleged hacking of government websites in Ukraine by from Russia. That's probably the way we'll see it continue to, to go. However, never say never. I guess I see two scenarios from it. If there is a conflict, then who knows where prices will go. Might might be the same price as the bloody Yeki. You know, <laughs> you know, we might see it up at you know twelve hundred dollars. Uh, but the mm. reality is we don't know if that's the case. Uh, but I can probably see what I think is a more re realistic uh, view on it is I think that we'll probably see things starting to smooth down, things returning to a bit of normal, and all of that risk that's factored into the market that we've seen in recent times will come out of the market as, yeah, as, 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 as quickly as it's gone in. There's a um, obviously the US spokespeople have been quite, um, I guess, um, you know, bullish, hawkish. Yeah, well, f forceful with their use of language around, you know, how it's, it won't be a good scenario if they invade. And so, you know, and then I could I'd see the, there's a meeting in Geneva, I believe, with the US um, Secretary of State and the Russian counterpart. Um, so, and it, it sounds to me as though it's just, you know, going to be um, Russia, you know, using as much leverage as possible to get what they want uh, or as much as they want in terms of demands, you know. So I think after the, that meeting, it could, could be the case that they, you know, there's some concessions made to Russia and it's enough to... It would be backroom discussions and, and the stuff that we don't see in, in the real world. And mm. I, I just don't... Like, I guess I'm hoping at least is I just don't think it's of the advantage of Russia to, to invade. And, mm. you know, I just... We'll see. But it gives some excitement in the marketplace. And that's what has given us this, this rally and this, this potential pricing opportunity. You mm. know, it's $400 a ton is, is a good price.
and that's flowing through right into our next harvest. So it's again, it's it's we've seen another year where we we have had these kind of opportunities coming up and then being taken away quite quickly and then coming back again. And that's what we're seeing again now is we're seeing a period just now where, you know, we've got, you know, close to, you know, $400 a ton right through until March 23. You know, it's a good opportunity for pricing. Mm. So, but anyway, that's, that's really the market update. And uh, we'll have some guests on next week, end of next week, depending on whether I get the, the go-ahead to fly or whether I get, you know, Novak Djokovic uh, when, when I come back into country. Well, they'll have to let you back in because the thousands of uh, rapid antigen tests that you've been squirreling away there in the UK, like you, you'll come in and you'll be the saviour for the Australian population bringing in rapid antigen tests at a, at a discounted price, of course. Well, I'm not sure. Like, I've got a North Face duffel bag. What's that? 90 litres. And mm. I'm just wondering how many of those tests I can fit in that space. I might don't just... worry about bringing back. Don't worry about bringing back any cans of black pudding or haggis or anything this time around. Just just replace that with rapid antigen tests. Well, I was just thinking, you know, remember, maybe like my wife's a doctor and they used to have that thing called doctor shopping. Mm. It's big in Western Australia where people would go from doctor, chemist to chemist and doctor to doctor. Getting all the different prescriptions filled out. To, to get pseudoephedrine mm. to make crystal meth. And I was just wondering, I'm doing a bit of chemist shopping, just going from chemist to chemist to saying, oh, can I get, you know, four packs of rapid antigen tests or lateral, you should come lateral flow tests? You should, you should come through customs like wearing a kind of like a superhero outfit with your jocks on the outside and a cape. I'll just call yourself man. I might just get like a, what do you call it? Like a set of scrubs and just have like a who hat on. Just say, no, it's got to be like a superhero. Under the cape and wear your underwear on your outside. What do you call on your trousers or your, what do you call underwear in Scotland? Your trousers or something, don't you? What? What do you call underwear in Scotland? There is a particular different ha- phrase. Pants. Your pants. Yeah, so your pants. That, that's, that's like underwear, right? Pants. It's pants. That's the term. Yeah. Well, pants uh, in Australia. Un- underwear. Like, you know, slacks. Un- well, underwear is bra. And pants, that's and socks are underwear. Right. Well but if I pa- said pants, wear your pants pants well pants are the specific pants around your male bits or your female yeah, bits. So that's all well we call your, 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 your nether regions as they would say. Mm. Well, you gotta come through with wearing them on the outside. Right. right? And this is this is this is getting silly. Right. It's late at night for me. <laughs> we will be back next week on Ag <laughs> Watchers. <laughs> Try not to cough. I don't want your COVID things coming through the uh, <laughs> for, for, for the fiber. Clean, just had to clean, clean my throat before I signed off. Uh, I'll see you when you've got nothing on or when you're coming through your underpants and cape on. Ciao for now.